It's the North Shore Vineyard Church Audio Podcast. I'm Christmas Schroeder. Today on the podcast, we have audio from our Sunday service in downtown Covington on November 7th. And this message is a continuation of a series we've been in looking at the Lord's Prayer. Today brings us to the phrase, forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sin against us. So thanks for listening. Don't forget to check us out on the web at northshorevineyard.org. Head to the talk. Well, I do have I do have two slides today. And the first slide, well, I don't know if it's the first slide back there, but we've been in a series on the Lord's Prayer. So why don't we all start off by just praying the Lord's Prayer together today. I've got it on the screen because there's so many different translations. We'll, we'll go with this one and we'll all say it together, all right? On the count of three. One, two, three. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread And forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. Amen. Well, I've been going through the Lord's Prayer kind of line by line for the last few weeks. uh, And I wasn't here last weekend. Did y'all enjoy having Leanne here? Was that last weekend? Okay. I'm I'm in a fog lately. Um, but before that, I, I, I talked about the phrase, give us our daily bread. And, and I would recommend, if, if, you, if you missed any of it, we do have a podcast on our website, and you can go get caught up on the things. Um, but a, a couple of things that I want to talk about before we move into the line for today, which is forgive us as we forgive others. Uh, I want to kind of talk about the, you know, just kind of help us to see the flow of what's going on in the Lord's Prayer. Because I think it's very important to our own prayer life. The, the Lord's Prayer starts out with God. It starts out in God. It doesn't start with our needs. It doesn't start with us. And a lot of people kind of start prayer in the wrong place. But the Lord's Prayer, the prayer that Jesus gives us to pray, is kind of a pattern of how we should approach God in our spiritual life. It starts with God, our Father in heaven. Hallowed be your name. Your name be kept holy. Your kingdom come. And the first few lines are just about God, His will, His way, who He is, and His kingdom. And then it moves to your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. We talked a couple of weeks ago about how it moves from there to our physical needs. God, give us our daily bread, the things that we need to get through today. And today, it, it takes it one step further. But I think it's important that we, we kind of realize that flow because I, I find many times in my own spiritual life, I just kind of have this list of things like, God, please show up and do this and do that and all that. And, and, and I haven't even really taken a moment to, to just say, God, you are God. You are amazing, outstanding, large, and in charge. Your kingdom, your will, your reign be done. Because uh, my, my little perspective doesn't always work. And I think when we ground our prayer and our prayer life in focusing first on God and who He is and His kingdom, then it keeps our needs in the proper perspective. Because your needs 
can become idols very easily. Your needs can, for, for finances or physical well-being, they can kind of take on a life of their own. Have you ever noticed that? You know, you, you, you have something that uh, it may be kind of small, but before obsess, you know, after a while of obsessing about it, all of a sudden it becomes bigger than God. And so we start with our Father, but we move down. You know, a few, few, uh, a few weeks back or a couple months ago, I, I kind of talked about uh, the idea when we started out this prayer that, that our Father is the starting place, but it's also the goal. We, we start with approaching God as our Father, but it's going to take the rest of our Christian life to, to understand what, the, what it means to be children of God, what it means to be in relationship with our Father as apprentice sons and daughters. And I would say that the same holds true about what we're going to look at today. We start in a place of forgiveness, but we're going to spend the rest of our lives learning how to be forgiving people, which is exactly what I want to look at today. You know, back in the Old Testament, the Old Covenant, actually, the, you know, one word for the Old Testament is the Old Covenant. So the whole Old Testament is kind of about God's original covenant. But you know what the markers of that covenant were? They were the Old Testament law, circumcision, uh, Sabbath-keeping, dietary laws. You know that if you were living in the Middle East during that day, you could spot a Jewish person from far away. You can still spot Jewish people today. You know, Orthodox Jews. I remember being in New York a few years ago, and there's this area of New York where there's a whole lot of Orthodox Jews, and and you can spot them from a mile away because they have certain markers, identifiers of their life, certain things that say, I'm an Orthodox Jew. They have the, the locks hanging down. They may wear black and have a hat, you know, a yarmulke, is that what that is? Uh, and so there's certain things that, that set them apart as kind of old covenant people. And God, God set that up as, as a means of identifying people, setting them apart, making them special. So those were the markers of the old covenant. The new covenant... Jesus was asked one time, he said, well, you know, what, what is the most important marker of the life of a, of a God follower? And Jesus said, to love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. Jesus sets up what are the most important markers for Christ followers. We love God not by following Old Testament law, but by following Jesus and by loving people. And that's exactly what we're going to see. This is the heart of the Lord's Prayer. It's a forgiveness that works its way outward. I think probably one of the best ways to, to, to understand this phrase, forgive us our debts as we have also forgiven our debtors, is to look at how Jesus talked about forgiveness. In Matthew 18, 23 through 35, we have the parable of the unforgiving servant. <coughs> and so I'll read it to you this morning. You don't have, to, you don't have it up on the screen because it's a lot of words. Jesus says this, he says, Therefore, the kingdom of heaven is like a king who wanted to settle accounts with his servants. As he began the settlement, a man who owed him 10,000 bags of gold was brought to him. That's a lot of money. That was a lot of money back then. It, it, basically, the point Jesus is saying, this guy owed a, a debt he, he wasn't ever going to pay, right? Uh, 10,000 bags of gold was brought to him. Since he was not able to pay, the master ordered that he and his wife and his children and all that he had be sold to repay the debt. 
Now, that was a common practice back in those days. You didn't have collection agencies call you if you missed a few payments. They would actually take you and sell you into slavery. That was a real possibility. You, 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 know, you owed a debt that you couldn't pay, you would be sold into slavery. But at this, the servant fell on his knees and before him and said, Be patient with me, he begged, and I will pay you back everything. <clears throat> the servant's master took pity on him and canceled the debt and let him go. But, but on Monday... Oh, whoops, I got my... Uh, <laughs> But when the servant went out, he found one of his fellow servants who owed him a hundred silver coins. This kind of like fifty dollars, you know, a small debt. And he grabbed him and began choking him, saying, "Pay me back what you demanded." His fellow servant fell on his knees and begged him, "Be patient with me, and I'll pay it back." But he refused and said, "He went off." And had the man thrown into prison until he could pay the debt. When the other servants saw what had happened, they were outraged and went and told their master everything that had happened. Then the master called his servant in. He said, you wicked servant. I said, I canceled all that debt of yours because you begged me to. Shouldn't you have also had mercy on your fellow servant just as I had on you? In anger, his master handed him over to the jailers to be tortured until he should pay back all that he owed. This is how my heavenly father will treat each of you unless you forgive your brother or sister from your heart. It's kind of a sobering story, you know. If Jesus didn't put that little part at the end, we'd be like, oh man, that that was a wicked servant. And then Jesus says, the same thing's going to happen to you if you don't forgive people. I got some some good news that I've shared with many of you this week. Uh, On Monday, we got a call from St. Tammany Hospital. for those of you who haven't been around here, I've, back in July, kind of got blindsided with a heart attack and had to go to the hospital, got uh, a stent, a couple of angioplasties, and uh, anyway, we had, we'd spent several months before then trying to get health insurance and, and had money to do it, and, but kept getting rejected for an individual policy. Uh, and so when the heart attack happened, we didn't have any health insurance, and a couple of weeks after the heart attack, after I got out of the hospital, I went to my dad's house up in Texas and had a wonderful, relaxing vacation, learning how to eat my new diet and to, and to de-stress a bit. And things were going good. And then we get back to, to our house in Avita Springs, and I, I open up the mailbox and, and got a letter from the hospital with the bill in it. And I opened it up and dang near had another heart attack because it was... Uh, I, I figured it was going to be expensive going to the hospital for three and a half days, but uh, the bill was $93,000. <clears> and so immediately, I kind of saw like all of our hopes and dreams uh, kind of being swallowed in this dark vortex of, of debt. You know, we, and it was a bummer because Dina and I, we had spent years really living on a budget, paying off debts. We had one debt left, our student loan, you know, that one lingering student loan that we've been trying to pay off. But it's like, uh, all of a sudden, you know, we're like, well, we're, you know, we're never, we still hadn't sold our place on the South Shore. We got somebody renting it out, but we thought at some point we'd like to actually, you know, buy a home over here. But we're like, dude, this is, this is like buying a house right here if we pay this off. I mean, the best I could figure out, we were going to be paying this debt for the rest of our lives. 
So I called up the financial counselor and, you know, wonderful lady. She was, she's a Christian too. And she was like, don't worry about it. She's like, you work for a big guy. I mean, she's like counseling a pastor. Like, <laughs> she's like, you know, you got, you got the big man on your side. I'm like, well, yeah, you know. Uh, <laughs> and she was right. But I, I ended up. You know, found out that the hospital had this program, a, a compassion program, they call it. Um, and so I kind of taking the name compassion, I thought it had to do with like human beings. So I wrote out this letter. I spent a good day typing it out, using my best writing skills, persuasive skills, and, and tried to explain, you know, how we'd been trying to get insurance. We, we weren't able to get it because we'd been turned down and all these things. And, and I submit the letter and, and, my income information and stuff and and only to find out that the process was pretty much done by a computer i'm like <laughs> i don't know if the computer's going to have compassion based on my great letter here but uh i found out that it was more of a numbers crunching thing and so looking at my income for the past year it looked like our best case scenario i might get you know the best i could hope for would be like maybe 40 50% written off. And still, I mean, we're talking about a massive debt that we would probably be paying on for, you know, if not the rest of my life, many years, unless I won the lottery. And uh, so on Monday, I, I got a call from the hospital, and they said they wiped out the entire debt, the entire thing. I mean, and she said, and not only that, she's like, I'm calling all these other doctors, because they participate in this program, too. So she's like, even because we had other bills for 800 here, 1200 here, you know, none of them even phased me after seeing 93, you know, I was kind of like, <laughs> uh, so she said, not only, not only the bill that you owe, she's like, all these other doctors will be taken care of too. I'm like, I had to get her to repeat it again. Cause I'm like, what? And so after I got done doing my end zone dance in the living room, I was just, we were elated. So we were, we were celebrating big time that night. So when I read this parable, it has a, a special meaning to me this week because I, here I am, I'm facing a debt that I could never pay. And so what would it be like for me uh, that afternoon after getting the news to, to call Barry up and say, hey, Barry, what about that $50 you owe me for, for uh, the, the bet on the game last week? And, and Barry's like, oh, man, have, have mercy with me. And what if I didn't have mercy on him? What if I called the cops? What if I, I, I got a lawyer and, and sued Barry? I mean, what would y'all think? Y'all be like, you've lost, dude, you just, you just, what, you just experienced like unbelievable mercy. What are you doing? It's not consistent with the way that you've been treated. Actually, that night, man, I, I'd have probably bought everybody dinner at the restaurant we went to. I mean, I was kind of hoping to catch it tonight. Yeah, well. <laughs> Mercy of the Lord endures forever, but I'm not. <laughs> Mine goes about five days. It has a shelf life. <laughs> Just missed it. So, uh... <laughs> See, kind of the point that Jesus is getting at in this parable is that, you know, really, we all, we all come to God with a debt that we can never pay. I mean, this, this fellow in this parable, 
you know, it's funny. He pleads for mercy from the master. He's like, just be patient with me and, and I'll, I'll pay you back. Dude, that, that's foolishness. He couldn't work enough. He didn't, ha- he didn't know enough people. There wasn't enough he could do in and of himself to pay it off. It was a debt. He could, it was thousands of bags of gold. He was delusional if he actually thought he could pay that back. He really didn't, I, I suspect. He's just trying to get mercy. The same thing is when we come to God, we, we can't get there. Our righteousness, the best you can do on your best day, when you got everything going for you, won't get you to God. So Jesus comes in. He breaks down all the barriers that separate us from God. He reconnects us back with God. And he, he offers, his, he extends his forgiveness to us. And we cry for God from our sins. You know, I remember when I cried to God for the first time, I was like, God, just forgive me. Take me back. And God did. And Jesus is saying, you know, kind of as I've said here over and over again, you are not the point of God's forgiveness. You're a point. (laughs) It doesn't end with you. Jesus doesn't, he he didn't offer his forgiveness just so we could be absolved of our sins and feel like, oh, I'm so glad I, I feel this weight taken off me. That's great. That's not the end, though. The end is that you would actually be transformed by that very forgiveness, that you would actually become a forgiving person, that people would actually see the reality of the kingdom of God by looking at your life. They would look at you and see that you have the markers of a Christ follower. You actually look like a new covenant person. And new covenant, by the way, Jesus' markers, it's not parading for you know the latest moral crusade. It's not, uh, you know... talking bad about different other denominations or political affiliations or anything like that, the markers that that set you aside as a Christ follower, it's forgiveness, it's mercy, (laughs) love. That's how people should be able to identify us as Christ followers. You are not the point, but a point. See, that, that servant was forgiven a debt that he could never pay, and he thought it was just about him. It's just about me. Man, I got forgiven. Woohoo! I'm gonna go out there. I'm 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 enjoying this, but I need a little money now. You know, I got forgiven a debt, but I need some money now. I'll go get my uh, friend to give me the money that he owes me. See, he wasn't living in the reality of it. And that and Jesus puts tremendous weight on this concept. And I think we've just for the most part, a lot of what I've been exposed to in the American churches, I think a lot of the churches just completely forgot this aspect. <laughs> Jesus ends us with a very sobering warning. He's like you will, you know, the, the master hands this guy over to the torturers because he took the forgiveness of his master and he didn't, you know, internalize it and offer that to others. You know, uh, a while back I read a book by um, Desmond Tutu, who was the Archbishop of Anglican Church over in um, uh, South Africa, who lived through all the, the, the fall of the apartheid government, and he wrote this book about Nelson, Band, Nelson Mandela called uh, No Future Without Forgiveness. And it's pretty amazing, because when Nelson Mandela was, he, he'd been in jail for like close to 30 years, by, you know, imprisoned by the, the white opposition. And, and understand Africa, I think, South Africa, I believe it's like 10 to 20 percent whites, I think closer to the 10 percent side, so they'd been ruling over 
90% of the population who were black. They, black people didn't have a right to vote or anything. You know, it was all segregation. It, it was kind of like what we see in America, you know, in the civil rights thing on, on steroids. I mean, it was really bad oppression. And, and Nelson Mandela, when he, as the leader of the opposition, when he finally gets released from prison, white people in South Africa were terrified. This guy's, this guy's been in prison for 30 years. Now we're letting him out. Man, he could go out there and start riots, call for a civil war. There's going to be bloodbaths as people hunt down their oppressors. But you know when Nelson Mandela got out of there, you know what he actually told his followers? He said, basically, and where the, the, the title of this book comes from, he said, there's no future for this country apart from forgiveness. If we just get out and, and want retribution for all the ways we've been wrong, you know what? We continue victimization. We continue to perpetuate evil. We continue to perpetuate suffering. Nelson Mandela got out. He said, no, we're going to, to pursue the path of forgiveness. And so they started this thing called the Truth and Reconciliation Committee. And they, they basically, what they would do in this committee, they would take the bad guys from the, the black South Africans and the bad guys from the white South Africans. And they said, if you will just come forth and admit what you've done, you know, own up to your sins, we will extend you forgiveness. You have to admit what you've done. You can't gloss over it and, and kind of pretend nothing bad happened. But if you, if you will come forward and admit and so they, they got the victims of violence with their oppressors, and they began to pursue a path of forgiveness. And it's amazing. Now, it hadn't worked out perfectly, as, as anything that involves government and human beings. It doesn't always work out perfectly. But it has worked out amazingly well that a country that, because that, you look at other countries in, South, in, in Africa, there's still civil wars going on all over the continent of Africa today, but not so with South Africa. They pursued a path of forgiveness. And this is kind of what's interesting about the Lord's Prayer. Jesus doesn't say, we just go, oh, you know, forgive other people, forgive me. No, we actually, the process we see here is that we don't just gloss over our sins. We don't just gloss over the sins of others. We come to Jesus first and we say, forgive me in the ways that I've wronged you today. Forgive me in the ways that I've not lived in accordance with your kingdom and your will. Forgive me. God, I bring it to the table. I'm putting it out there. This is wrong. You know, without that, it's hard to forgive other people. But all I got to do is really sit down for about five minutes <laughs> and start thinking of the ways that I've, uh, you know, if I really ask God to show me, you know, how have I not lived in accordance with your will, your kingdom, your, your, your ways today? It doesn't take me very long to figure out the, on, on, on my best day. <laughs> I'm doing things that I need forgiveness for. And so I bring those before the Lord. And it's from that point that we move on to the next part, which is, and forgive us as we have forgiven those who sinned against us. I've been around Christians before who think of forgiveness as just like, oh, no problem. You know, hey, man, I did you wrong. Oh, that's okay. And we just kind of extend a blanket forgiveness, but we don't really process through the pain. We don't really process through what's going on. And so it's just kind of denial rather than forgiveness. It's, oh, that's okay, no problem. But sometimes people do things that absolutely hurt us, don't they? I mean, just wreck our world. 
And sometimes forgiveness isn't just, I mean, sometimes it's easy. I mean, if somebody takes my parking place, I, I can forgive that pretty easy. But if somebody slanders me, slanders my family, which has happened on several occasions, <laughs> talks, you know, is really out to, to do evil, boy, that, that's, that's a little bit harder. You know, I, I think one of the, the powerful, I, I saw two powerful stories lived out in front of me as I was growing up. One was of my grandmother. She was, uh, for the most part, lived a fairly, you know, affluent life. Grew up in Mississippi, had, had servants, all that stuff. And, and when my dad was growing up in Dallas, she had a, a, a maid by the name of Gertrude, a, an African-American lady who, uh, you know, really, in a sense, is probably responsible for why I'm here. She was praying for my dad the whole time. You know, she'd be cleaning up their rooms and praying over them. And God answered those prayers in my dad's life and certainly uh, in mine. But I remember as a kid, we would go to Dallas to see my grandmother. And my grandmother, she, over her life, she didn't live as a forgiving person. So in the last 10, 15 years of visiting my grandmother, she was just bitter and resentful. You couldn't hear her say a good word about anything. I mean, you tell her you love her, and it'd be, she couldn't even say, I love you, to her own family members. She had gotten to a point in her life where she had driven away all her friends and, and most of her family, and she was alone, stewing in this place of bitterness, resentment, and contempt. But you know, often when we'd go to visit my grandmother, my dad would take, we'd take a few hours to go across town to go see Gertrude. And Gertrude, she, unlike my grandmother, she didn't live in a big house. She lived in this little kind of shotgun house in a <coughs> kind of impoverished area of Dallas. But I remember going there, and as soon as we'd walk in, she'd go, oh, Pete, oh, Crispin, oh, I love you guys. Y'all just lighten up my life. Every time I, and I tell you, the second you walk in, you just, you couldn't help but experience joy and peace, and love. You, 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 just being around her, hearing her talk. And I remember experiencing that over and over as a kid. And even after I graduated high school, when I'd go to Dallas, I'd visit her. Actually, later on in her life, you know what? The kids of many of the families that she had worked as a maid for, they sent support to her for her last few years. They would send her checks. And here's a lady who lived in obscurity. She lived through all the, all the racial prejudice that happened in the last century. And, you know, she had more than ample opportunity where she could have become a victim, where she could have let unforgiveness root down in. And, you know, she had plenty of wrongs happen in her life. But she chose the way of Jesus. She chose the path of forgiveness. In her later years, she just, you'd be like, being around an angel, you just walk away. <laughs> wow. I, I just, I, it was like I was talking to Jesus there. I, I, I remember reading something in the Psalms that says, the wicked will be turned into hell. We tend to think of heaven or hell as kind of these far-off destinations. But you know what the reality is? We experience a little bit of heaven or a little bit of hell based on how we're following Jesus. 
based on how we're living our lives. What I saw from my grandmother is she was experiencing hell on earth. You know, when I read about hell, it's a place of darkness and loneliness and isolation. And those are words that, that describe her in her later years of life. Now, she, in her final years, did, you know, final months of her life actually did uh, turn to God. But she spent so much time isolated, alone, angry, afraid. That's words that we use to describe hell. But you know what, Gertrude? She experienced a little bit of heaven on earth. She experienced a little what God's kingdom is like, breaking into her midst. And she was actually, you get around her, there was no sense of, oh, God just paid for my debt. No, she was extending forgiveness and joy and love to, to the people around her. And it just got off on, you know, you just walk away like, I feel better. Two ways we can live. And we will experience, we will experience, it will have an effect on the kind of quality of life that we have. See, one thing that Jesus says in here, he said that this servant that doesn't forgive, he's handed over to the torturers. He's handed over to the torturers. And that's what happens to you when you don't forgive. See, we, we, we tend to think of, of forgiveness is kind of an option. But you know what? When you don't forgive someone, no matter how horrible what they may have done to you, and, and, and again, I want to say, particularly if you've been abused in your life, uh, physically, sexually, emotionally, there, there are some things where you may have to walk out forgiveness for years and years and have counselors. But the, the, at the point that you shut off that process of forgiveness... You become re-victimized because it, it strangles the life of God out of you. You ever been around unforgiving people before who are just bitter? And it's like, it doesn't matter what's going on in their life. They're not going to see any good in it because their, their hearts have become darkened. And that's what happens to us. And that's a sober warning of where we're going. I think probably the, the biggest thing that I can see in this prayer is that when we forgive others, when we receive God's forgiveness and we in turn forgive other people, you know what? We demonstrate the life of God's kingdom. In a sense, it's kind of answering the prayer we prayed earlier. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth. When we forgive other people as we've been forgiven, you know what? That's the kingdom of God coming into our lives. And it changes things. I can remember years ago, I went through a horrible thing with a church that I was on staff with and, and, and just got hurt. You know, I mean, I was new on staff and new in marriage. And man, it was just like we're getting hit with one thing after another. And, and I remember some mornings going to pray and I just couldn't stop thinking about this person that hurt me. I mean, it just hurt. And all I could do is like, God, I want to forgive. I want to live like you in this. But it hurts. And I don't want to become bitter. I don't want to go down that path. But I, honestly, these are my feelings here right now. I, I feel like I want this person to be hurt. And I think too often we tend to think of forgiveness like you got to have happy feelings. Like, oh, it's okay. But you know, if you're waiting for happy feelings before you ever forgive, it, it ain't going to happen, right? 
I think like many things in the kingdom of God, sometimes love is a feeling, but a lot of times love is a choice. All the married people said amen, right? <laughs> there are some times where you absolutely are in love with your spouse. You feel all those nice feelings, but there's sometimes you just got to choose. I'm going to seek the well-being and the best for my spouse. Dana has to do that a lot, right? <laughs> Same thing with forgiveness. Sometimes it's a choice before it's ever a feeling. But as we move in forgiveness, we begin to demonstrate to the world around us what the kingdom of God is like. Because in the kingdom of God, we see God's grace, his forgiveness, his love offered to to a world that is spit upon his name. I think one of the most powerful things we see in the New Testament is when Jesus, hanging on the cross, his final words, the, the kind of bookend for his whole ministry. He could have said anything in that moment. And so what's he say? He says, God, I hope you pay all these suckers back for what they've done to me. <laughs> no. He says, forgive them, Father. They don't even know what they're doing. And that's the final act. That's the final act of Jesus hanging on a cross put there by people who hated him. Hated what he stood for. And he says, forgive them, Father. They know not what, you can do, what they do. And I, I believe that's one of the biggest demonstrations we see of the kingdom of God in the New Testament. You see, God's character, his kingdom revealed. And that's the thing. We're called to live that life so that we show the world what Jesus is like. We've talked a lot lately about you know, these parties that Jesus would go and hang out at and stuff like that. You know what God was doing there in Jesus? He was showing people that God forgives you. No matter how far you think you are away from God, he was demonstrating what the kingdom of God looks like. Because the kingdom looks like a lot of people he didn't deserve to get there being invited in. So this morning, I just want to close. Uh, I want to close by, by taking communion together. And you want to do Jesus' name like the slower version? <laughs> All right, get up here. <laughs> as, as Nathan begins to, to play this song, I, we've got the elements up here. We actually have smaller cups this weekend. Thanks, Bob. Uh, <laughs> so uh, if you could just make your way out we'll, we'll, uh, and grab, uh, grab some bread and a cup, and then we'll all take communion together in a minute. So Nathan's going to lead us in a worship song as... You can just make your way out. How about we do this? This row first, that row, that row, that row.
And every knee will bow in heaven and the earth. And every eye will see the measure of your world. There is no one like you, risen Son of God. Holy is your name. Holy is your This morning we take this bread that symbolizes the body of Jesus broken that we might be made whole that our relationship with God would be put back together that we could experience wholeness even in our relationship so Jesus it's in that light that we take this bread this morning committing ourselves to be people who look to redeem relationships, to reconnect, to walk in forgiveness. We take this in your name. Lord, this morning, we take this cup, the cup of the new covenant, symbolizing your blood, which was poured out for our sins, Lord, that you have paid a debt that we could never pay, God, on our best days, God, with all our resources, God, we can't get there, and Lord, you have paid it in your own blood, and so we take this cup today, God, and as we do, we recommit ourselves to living your way, to living as forgivers, to live demonstrating the reality of your covenant and your kingdom coming. We take this in Jesus' name. Let's just sing through that chorus one more time. Every knee will bow in heaven and the earth. Every eye will see measure of your word there is no one like you risen son of God holy is your name holy is your name every knee will bow Every knee will bow Heaven and the earth Every eye will see The measure of your word There is no one like you Risen Son of God Holy is your name 
just ask for your grace and empowerment, God, in the days ahead of us, Lord. And we thank you for your forgiveness. And Lord, we extend forgiveness to the world around us, God, that we walk as your forgiven people, demonstrating your kingdom in life. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Well, thank you all for coming out today. Uh, Ethel's going to be over at the table to, to hand out your, bag, your hunger bags, bags of hunger. Bring them back next Sunday. Full. God bless y'all.